podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind. We're looking a wee bit different on a Friday afternoon. I've been drafted in in place of your resident hostess, uh, Laura Bradburn. I'm Paul John Dykes, as you know, and I'm joined today by the dream team of Tony Haggerty, Jim Moore, and Alan Morrison. Welcome all to the Friday Bulletin. It's been very positive this week. I don't know if you're getting that vibe, Tony, when you're listening to the Axon Bulletins. Everybody seems to be, uh, you know, up in terms of their mood. And a lot of that is down to the bold Ange Postacoglu, isn't it? It's good news week. Jim and uh, Alan will remember that song. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just been good news week at Celtic this mm. week in particular. So, and a lot to be positive about. Debuts of the Japanese players, Matt O'Reilly, Stoke Baba O'Reilly coming in. It has to be Baba O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. That has to be his nickname. <laughs> Are we, we going to get another song? Are we getting another we song here, Tony? You have to play the Who song whenever he scores. It has to. He's uh, the Who played at Celtic Park and all that kind of stuff. So Yes. Uh, I'm going to put my hand early doors on that. So, yeah, but it is all positive, isn't it? And it's, uh, yeah, you just saw a wee momentum shift, didn't you? Mm-hmm. The results and stuff like that. And, you know, and the, the, the Japanese boys were impressive. It's one game. We accept that. But lots to smile about there is. You, you've already brought up music. JP and I get a hard time on a Thursday for talking about music too much, Tony. But you know what? You brought it up. The Who did play at Celtic Park. Who were supporting The Who at it's Celtic Park? Yes. Yeah. Were you there, Jim? No, no. Um, I'm not a big no. Who fan. The Who are good. I'm not a big, a big uh, fan. But, uh... I think that, uh, as I've mentioned so many times on Axon, the first gig I ever went to was at Celtic Park. It was you two. Uh, and I think it would be good for Celtic Park to be a venue again. I think that's another good way of generating um, further revenue streams for the club. Mm-hmm. It would be great to see some of the great Celtic-minded bands and others playing at the famous stadium. We are on a high, and it's great to have Alan Morrison in because you can chip in with some comment in relation to new 
players coming in, what they're going to bring to the team. How do they uh, link in? How do they match what Andrew's trying to, um, what he's trying to build here at Celtic? But overall, I want to look at how far we've come under Ange because you know there were. Um, some disappointing, uh, disappointed Celtic fans when the Eddie Howe deal broke down. How long ago does that seem at this moment in time, Alan Morrison, where Celtic fans expected the announcement, it didn't happen, and then very quickly we brought in Ange Postacoglu, um, and you look at the progress over the last six months. Do you think he's ahead of schedule? I'm going to ask you first, Alan. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly. Uh, and the, I actually did a wee piece on, I'll just plug it, on my own sort of Celtic by Numbers site today, which is a very short piece, but it just um, shows actually quite interestingly the sort of narrative arc as told through the prism of expected goals. So don't come back, don't all switch off. It's not that bad, honestly. <laughs> but, 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 but it's fascinating. I mean, I was, I, you know, I, I, we all, we all, a lot of us read up about him, and these days there's so many journalists now willing to engage from Japan and who know the Asian football scene that we're willing to engage. And we very quickly built our profile. This is potentially a very special individual in terms of his personality, his philosophy, his his, his own ethos, and, and way, and just the way the way he conducts himself, uh, and also the fact that he'd had some, you know. Um, success wherever it really he'd been, and, and that there was almost a template that he followed to to get there, um, and 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 actually, if you look at it, we we went through this initial, you know, splurge of optimism because the early early parts of August, the, the team were producing some incredible attacking displays, you know, the the, the, the hammerings of Dundee St Mirren, the cup game against Hearts, although it was three two, was was like almost like a ten nil kind of game, uh, and, and we just thought, oh, wow, this is absolutely amazing, and then it kind of all went back down to earth again in September. When uh, you know it looked like doubts were creeping in, you know, did yeah. he have a plan B? Was he was he hell bent on only playing one way? Had we got the right players in? You know, the Derby defeat was a bit painful. The hammering to Leverkusen was a bit, uh, you know, of a sobering moment. And uh, but then you know, and, and, and Kyogo missed that whole month of September, and that coincided with a very sort of dodgy period. We lost at Livingston, you know, and, and all those things were like, oh, really, can he adapt? Can he, does, can, can he solve the problems? But actually, ever since then, it's been steady improvement, uh, which is what I love. I was looking for, for improvement in the data. And the underlying performance data is, is really promising. Uh, and, if you, and, and, you know, what I try to do at least is, you know, it's, it's easy enough to quote the data, but what's the context for that, right? Mm. So the context is an, an absolutely unbelievable um, profile of injuries across the squad. I mean, we on average we were, we're missing six players every game, every That's game incredible. this season. Yeah, um, and also we've we've had a lot of young guys come in, new to Scotland, new to the city, new to the culture, climate, the football, etc. Um, and and that's that you can't underestimate. And it, all of them are individuals. All of them will take different amounts of time. All will have their own personal circumstances and, and and so forth. So if you think about that context, and you think about also then the the, the amount of change and change management is, is a hard thing to do. Uh, the amount of change that that Ange is having to um, you know to manage both in terms of playing style, new people, new environment. You add all that together. That's a that's a very volatile and uh, tricky environment to operate in. So mm-hmm. all that being said, that's the context. The actual performance data shows that we're. I think we're. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 article today. I named it. Are you ready for takeoff? Because I think we're 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 we're, we're just about to ascend, and I think the second half of the season could be, could be exciting. 
Well, we're excited enough, so thanks for that because you're just uh, you're going to push us even into a, a field of more excitement. But you you mentioned there about XG. What do you make of Andy's comment? Even when he's talking about I'm more of an XL man than XG, Alan, tongue in cheek, but he knows how to play the media. He knows how to play the fans. He's just he's a great communicator, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's it. And I think, again, you know, the stories this week about his conversations with Matt O'Reilly before he joined, that ability to communicate. He's, I mean, I think what you see is what you get. He is tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't know how to play the game, but you always get an honesty. I don't think he's got any other setting but honest. And I think if you live your life that way, you'll generally get good results, I found. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you're looking at uh, Ange Postacoglu and that period that Alan mentioned, Jim, period of doubt, people starting to to doubt whether or not he was the right man. Did he have a second kind of like game plan, a plan B? One thing about Ange though, Jim, is every time he was speaking to the media or to the club and the club's media channels, he just stuck to his guns. How impressed have you been with that kind of like, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he is setting his ways, but he's got this vision and he is determined that he's going to see it through his way, isn't he? I think if you're a manager, you have to keep level-headed. You don't get too up, you don't get too down. That's why I tend to try and look at games. You know, with Hibs game the other night, people were going off the scale about it. I thought it wasn't off the scale. You know, anyway, maybe come back to that one. But in terms of the manager, uh, we've won a watch. I mean, just to echo what Alan said without saying XG, uh, so many things he's done really, really well. Uh, and if you look at this time last year, not, not maybe, maybe back March, April, May, we were talking about trying to get Rafa Benitez and we are talking about Jesse Marsh and we are talking about Maresca and they've all had their books in the last you know, couple of months or so. So yeah. on paper, they were better managers. Whether they were elite managers, that's a discussion for another day. And we end up with this unknown guy. And I think, you know, understandably so, at the start of the season when the guy came in, people were thinking, who? Who is he? And you get, you know, people were a bit disparaging to him in the media, understandably so, because that's what they do. But I certainly want to watch, and, and all the stuff Alan said about the change management thing was a, I think we're brought in about 20 players and we've spent over £20 million, and that's incredibly difficult to manage. Uh, so I think he's done a marvellous job, but uh, fans are very fickle. You know, if we were to lose the next couple of games, all of a sudden he's a dud. You know, so yeah, we have to keep him level-headed. And I think whenever, you know, you you win games, you have to look for things you could do better. And if you lose games, you have to look at things that you know, that, that were quite good. And I think that's what he does. And there's been comments he's made to the media about the league being finished in October and stuff like that. And he must, he must be totally bemused by the nonsense that he sees in this country. Because Scottish football is a soap opera. It really is a soap opera. And Tony knows that better than most being involved in the media and, and the words that the media use to wind people up all the time. And, and I don't know if we're going to go and talk about the Glasgow Derby coming up, but I think last week in the paper, one, it was the Herald talked about Celtic trying to exploit a loophole to try and cancel the game. You think, it's not a loophole, it's the rules. Those are the rules. Stop saying yeah. that. You know, mm-hmm. and then in the, in the actual WhatsApp group, I just saw something there about uh, the headline was Rangers had discussions with the SFA about the rest of his performance. And you're thinking, here we go again, another soap opera. Anyway, I'm off at tangent. Ange, Ange is the man. I think uh, unbelievable what he's done on his own, uh, Don McKay comes in, Don McKay goes, and just still there. He's having to deal with new chief executive. We're spending money, which is great. That's obviously, I mean, am I, I, I doing things really quickly? That's the other good thing about it. We're not messing about. And he did make the point after the first transfer window that maybe he wasn't forceful enough. I think he was putting a marker down there to say that I'm not going to be that, you know, 
less forceful again. Uh, I think results in the pitch have won a cup uh, and things are going well. But we've got we've got four really tough league games coming up. I think it's is it Hearts away and United at home and Glasgow Derby and then Petodji. You know, let's see how people are talking after those four games. You know, so so at bits of the season, I think lots of people have been anti Ange. You know, post the uh, the Tony Macaroni game, there was a lot of kind of this guy's a dud. I think we have to keep kind of level-headed about where we are. Uh, but he's certainly been a, a phenomenal appointment. You mentioned earlier how he's not doing too good at Newcastle just now. You know, maybe he might come good. But certainly when you look at the alternatives that we could have got, and we'd all have been happy with Benitez, um, Maresca or Marsh, and we got this unknown guy, and he's done a phenomenal job. But it's still mid-season, you know, so let's see how things pan out. See, I love the voice of reason, Tony, when we come to Jim, and he, he just tempers the enthusiasm. He brings everybody back down to earth. Actually, it wasn't well, that well, long. Just, 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 just button pump. We can add, I can attend to be looked at this old negative guy on a Friday that they just, you know, <laughs> this is negative. I think you just look for things that could be better. And in terms of Monday night's game, they, you know, people were saying it was a fantastic performance. It was, a, it was, it was a good first half. We played, and it was a pretty dire second half. But we get the job done. We get the three points. That's the most important thing. Absolutely, most important thing. But there's things yeah. in the game you think that could be better, and I'm sure Alan's got the stats that says this could have been better and that could have been better. Because my big concern about this season, I think we can win this league. You know, but I think we've got the players to win the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there've been rivals are there to be taken. I think they're a good team. I don't think you know people say no, they're they're not very good. They are good. They didn't play particularly well the other night. But one of the things this will come down to, I think, it'll be it'll be, it'll be dead tight. We're not going to win this league by nine or ten points. If we win it, we're going to win about a point or two. And goal difference could play a major part. And Ange talked at the start of the season in that famous video about we don't stop to the end. Mm. I thought we stopped after about 60 minutes the other night. You know, Hibs, Hibs weren't interested. Hibs had, you know, fell back in that second half. The game is there to be taken. The subs should have been on much, much quicker. We should have went for it to score a, a few more goals. Because I think goal difference could be a big thing. So I think in every game, you have to look for bits that you can do better. And that's not been negative. That's just saying that could have been better. And I think in Monday night, I was a bit surprised by the over-the-top reaction about this was the greatest game in the world. You know, you know, it wasn't as good as Easter Road first half. It wasn't as good as no. Canada's first half. You know, and there was a lot, and actually Hibs had more of the ball, I think, uh, overall. And I think they had a lot of the ball in the first half. You know, so they played quite an expansive game, which we like. That means that we can then find some spaces. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm trying to temper the enthusiasm. I'm just saying, I think there's things that that's probably too too uh, over the top just now. Long way to go, but and if in four weeks, if, if in four games time, that if we manage to take, if we manage to take at least a point in the Glasgow Derby and win our three games, then I may get excited. <laughs> the thing is, though, Jim, I don't think it's a bad thing because as emotional football fans, we do tend to get a wee bit carried away from time to time. And I think a big part of Monday was the fact that we were back in the stadiums. There had been a break. Um, You know, people were raving, and we'll talk about uh, the debut boy, Riho Hatati. People were raving about him. And JP yesterday said, you know what? He played well. But, you know, he wasn't raving about him and Declan disagreed. And that is the beauty of having a whole host of contributors on Axom is that, and by the way, you've not seen the WhatsApp group. Um, we can disagree, we can agree, and uh, we can meet in the middle and all that kind of stuff. But Alan said something earlier on, and I thought it might resonate with you, Tony. He was talking about the culture and the different cultures within it. And I thought back to the 1988 FA Cup final when the crazy gang beat the culture club. Celtic have become something of a culture club, haven't they? Well, I think... Will be when Celtic, if Celtic managed to beat Rangers 
this season you'll be flipping that on its head and saying the culture club will beat the crazy gang uh, because it's Ange has, that's the one positive thing that you see from Ange he's still in a club culture there there's a style, there's a philosophy and I think the Celtic fans now see the direction that the club is heading in and they're liking what they see and that was a word I used to respond to a private message to a guy and I, I used that phrase the culture club will beat the crazy gang if Celtic beat Rangers this season at some point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also wrote on the Celtic way the other day that He's not even started, as Alan said. I, I, I wrote a piece saying, this is this is the foundations of the beautiful house. Yep. And he's going to build two things. He's going to build an immovable object and an irresistible force. That's the line I ended it on. That's his plan. And he's bringing in players, one, because they're good, but two, they're fitting seamlessly into a system because he knows them. He has knowledge of them. Those guys hit the ground running the other night. Yeah, you don't want to be all hyperbolic about it. They played well. They were good. I just want to know if Jim is happy in the haze of a drunken hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> Heaven knows. I was thinking I was thinking more of the dogs barking and caravans and all that in the background there, Tony. Um... <laughs> yeah, but you do have to temper it with realism. It's one game. They played well. Might welcome down to goal difference. Celtic are still missing chances. Mm. Oh, that's one thing that they could do better absolutely. and I've been banging on about that since day one when Kyogo came when he got a hat-trick and he could add a double hat-trick and people were saying oh you're out out of order well no out of order fine margins get the very man there in the bottom of the screen who'll tell you about fine margins chances XG and all that who, who understands it more I'm more of an XL man like Ange but I'm, I'm picking up more of it when I speak to Alan and it will come down to that this this league's going to the wire. It's going to be a fine margin that wins the title. So, as Jim said there, how are there for the taking for a four or a five? Should have put the foot on the metal, you know, or a pedal to the metal, you know. And, <coughs> and you, yeah, we won. We won well. Guys played well. Let's keep it up. But that intensity, we want to keep that going. As Anne said himself, we don't stop. These are the things the manager's picking up on. Supporters are now picking up on it as well and saying, yep, we can do things better. We can convert the chances on a higher percentage of the chances we create. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll leave Alan to give you the science on that, but it'll be startling, I would have thought. Well, you, you mentioned a thing there about the fact that we, we could and should have uh, put in hips to the sword. If you go to the halftime bulletin with myself and Laura, um, who is off today but will be back next week, I was talking like that, Tony, and I guess that's what I'm saying to Jim. Sometimes I need to keep my emotions in check because I was saying, you know, we could uh, win with four or five here. That was the kind of performance we were turning in, and it did taper off a wee bit. But um, talking about the the stats and the figures, I would like to come to you, Alan, just to talk about the the debut of Atati because from my observational view, just sitting there as a fan watching that game the other night, I thought he was particularly good. Um, I think his passing, his range of passing was was tremendous. And this is just me observing it as a fan, Alan. Um, but yesterday it was interesting to hear how Declan agreed with me, but JP was like, you know, he played well. He played well, but, you know, it wasn't off the scale good. Um, how did you look at his performance, his first performance in the hoops? Mm. Yep. so, I mean, like, it sounds like the majority of fans uh, watching the game in real time, I was just super excited about 
about seeing him. Uh, he really caught the imagination. And I think it was because of the variety of his play, the, the movement, the, the the ability to find space, and also his ambition in terms of what he was trying to do with the ball. Um, now, now, a lot of these things didn't come off. And actually, as I, as I went back and captured the data for the game, he actually gave the ball away six out of his first 11 passes, which is, which is not great. But he was mm-hmm. usually trying to do something uh, very progressive about it. And actually, if you look at his data um, from that game, he, 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 apart from chances created, he set up three chances, but they were all quite low quality chances. He didn't rank first on any of the metrics across the board. However, mm-hmm. let me qualify that a little bit. So I, I capture, I don't going to go into the detail particularly, but just you can imagine, I've got a lot of data around, let's call it defensive data, creative data, goal threat, right? Just very simple, three, three categories you might expect. If you look at Hatati's output, he was third or fourth or fifth on defensive stats. He was third or fourth or fifth on creating creativity stats. He was third or fourth or fifth on um, goal threat stats, right? And he saw, And if you look at that profile, right, what that says to me, if I go back a few months, is Ryan Christie, because that's exactly what Ryan Christie used to do. That was his profile. He was mm-hmm. he was kind of master of none of the skills, but he was the only. You, 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 if you think about a spreadsheet and all the boxes, there was a number in just about all of them with Ryan Christie. Right, he did everything. He could do everything, and he contributed across the whole range of capabilities on the park that you want. And what, so what I'm saying is, is a very roundabout kind of way is that he was a real all-round midfield performance. So although he was not outstanding and he definitely tired and tailed off from about 60 minutes, and I completely agree with Jim, I was actually angry about the lack of substitutions or the late uh, lateness of substitutions. The fact we didn't use all five was ridiculous to me. But anyway, that's another topic. Hatati, um, he's, that was hugely encouraging. For the reason that I said, he looks like a genuine all-rounder. His defensive performance actually was the one that did stand out. But what the overarching feeling that I took away from his performance was just the ambition that he played with, that he played with hope, he played with ambition. He wanted to make positive things happen, and that, I love that in a player. He, he was optimistic. He could see through balls, and he, and he did everything quickly. And I think that aspect of his play is what really led to the excitement, even if the numbers were a little bit average. But actually, if you look, you've got to look at the numbers in the hole, in the round, and then I think it was hugely encouraging. Well, you know, that for me was quite surprising. Uh, initially there, Alan, when you're talking about the, the amount of passes that he was um, that were going astray. But in terms of the Christie comment, uh, I think I've said a few times, and again, from an observational perspective, that I thought Christie would have been pretty well suited to Ange Postecoglou's team. Um, and it's a shame that it had gone too far down the line for that to be pulled back because I think he would have excelled under Ange. I'm going to bring in as many... Uh, comments as I possibly can um, from the viewers. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. This is an interesting one, David. It was a masterstroke not getting how. What I would say is we go back to the, the podcast at the beginning of the season and you're reacting as news happens. So it was pretty clear at that time Celtic had gone quite far down the line with a specific manager and it all fell down at the last minute. So what you're getting is you're getting the reaction to that. And then six, seven, eight months down the line, you're then looking at the performance of the manager who took the job. It's okay to change your mind. 
You know, it's okay to change your mind based on facts, based on what you've seen, rather than what was actually happening at the ground at that time. And the ineptitude of, of a, a boardroom to actually get a deal over the line. Yeah, absolutely delighted they didn't get the deal over the line and that we did get Ange Postacoglu. But I think what then happens is there's a wee bit of revisionism. So there's been three CEOs in the mix here. You've got Michael Nicholson at the moment, who's obviously working or seems to be working well with Ange, getting deals over the line. You've got Don Mackay on his introductory interview claimed to have been right in the mix when it came to bringing in Ange. Ange was a man he wanted to be a part of bringing to the club. And then you've got uh, this legacy issue of, well, actually, it was Peter Lobel who brought it in. I guess this always happens, Jim, when something works out well. Everybody wants a wee bit of the credit. Who do you think gets the credit for bringing Ange Postacoglu to Celtic? Ange Postacoglu. Uh, yeah, himself, I think. Who knows what happens behind the scenes? I mean, we sit here and comment, and we've got no idea what we're talking about, to be perfectly honest, because we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, Alan deals in evidence based stuff, you know, when you're going for a manager, you're saying, well, what's the evidence to get this guy in? And guys like Benitez and Howe and Maresca and Mark, they all, they, all, they all tick lots of boxes. And so the Postacoglu, I suppose, ticked a lot of boxes. And I've got no idea what goes on behind the scenes and how, I mean, any 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 simple, any transfer of a player is incredibly complex. So getting a manager, you can maybe multiply that by a bigger number, an XG, but a bigger number to come up with how complex that might be. Uh, who gets the credit who knows? Who knows what Don McKay did uh, in these seventy-two days that he was there? Did he make any changes that are there? Did he change some some of the mindset of the board? Who knows what goes on behind the scenes? That if we won the league at the end of the season, then Ange Postecoglou was the right guy to hire. Uh, if we end up losing the league by loads of points, people will maybe ask some questions. Uh, it's always a risk bringing in somebody. I mean, now we brought in something like twenty players, something like that, uh, in the last few months or so, and it's an astonishing number of players to bring in. Everyone's a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a manager is the biggest risk of all. Uh, who gets the credit, Paul? No idea because we don't know enough about it. And then if something goes well, people will put their hands up and say, aye, that was me. I did that. And if it all went pear-shaped, I think you would... I don't think Peter Law would be saying that Big Andrew's one of my ideas. Like he'd, be, he'd be distancing himself from that. But the big man's done remarkably well, so people are going to try and ride on the Ange train. That was me that did that and it was me that advised them to come. And, and you'll see... Uh, Articles in newspapers with people saying, oh, "I always knew you'd be good." I was, oh, did you? You know, exactly. so did you? Did you after Livingston? Did you? You know, it's only one way of playing, etc. So that's why I think, you know, let's 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 get to the end of the season and then we'll look back and we'll say, well, you know, that was either pretty good or pretty average. Uh, who got the credit? Who knows, Paul? The big thing is, again, Tony, I'll come to yourself on this one. We are commenting, as you see it, at the time. I mean, we didn't have a Celtic state of mind when Mo Bangura signed. But I just imagine what the broadcast would have been the following day after we'd seen the showreels on YouTube. Oh, what a signing we've got. Henrik Larson thinks he's a great player. He's going to be a legend. You know, you get it wrong from time to time. And I'll tell you what, if I was disappointed around about the time that Ange got the job, I'm not now. I I don't think... I think we were disappointed in the process. We weren't mm. disappointed with Ange. As Jim said, all these big names were linked with it and you get swept up in that vortex and carried away with it all. And then I remember making the comment at the time they wanted an appointment, they got a disappointment. People of and, and certain Celtic supporters were disappointed when Ange came in. You can't hide that. Nobody can say for a fact that even if they were on the Ange train, that they knew he was going to be successful, knew he was going to be good. You can't say that. 
But myself and Jim, and I remember having a podcast on a Friday, and we said we would form a better judgment in six months. We said that. So now we're forming a better informed judgment based on what Jim always called game-based evidence. So you're watching him perform, you're watching his team perform and players. So we, we, we said that and we were, you know, we, we wouldn't say disappointed, we were disappointed in the process and the people that had brought him in so swiftly after seeing a supposed uh, manager and backroom set up like Eddie Howe collapse at the last minute. It was typical Celtic, the way they did business. Mm. And as you say, six months, seven months, whatever it is, down the line, we're all delighted that Angie's here. You know, so can't can't sit and tell me that the minute Ange walked in the door, Celtic supporters were like, this guy's going to be a success. No, everybody was scrambling for, you know, to get information about him, reading his book and to see how successful he'd been in Australia and Japan because they didn't know too much about him. And if, they, and if people were saying from day one they knew he was going to be successful, that was just blind faith and blind optimism in the fact that he was appointed the new Celtic manager. I think I think the people on, on this podcast who probably were of that view, Tony, would have probably been Jared from Celts Down Under and Dan from the Japan yeah. Times. And we got them on we got them on the show and that was what that was their view. Because they had knowledge yeah. of them. The same way Anne should knowledge of the J League and has brought in players that'll improve the club because he knows they can fit into a system. Once you once you have knowledge then you know you can form opinions based on that. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of self supporters had no knowledge of Ange. And it was a disappointing circumstance in which he was kind of brought in the door after the collapse of something that a lot of people had bought into at that time. I.e. Eddie Howe. Are we happy Eddie Howe's not here? Well, Jim's saying it there. Time will tell. Let's get to the end of the season and see where we are. See if we're £40 million richer straight into the Champions League group stages or have to negotiate the qualifiers again. You know, but that doesn't make him a, a, a good or a bad manager. So, I think one of the most so sorry, Tony. I think, I think one of the most bizarre comments that was made at that time. I think it was Dan. He says something like, uh, "Have you heard of Bob the Builder?" And you're thinking, "Where's he going with this?" He says, well, Ange, Ange is the rebuilder, and you're thinking, "All right, fine, okay." And he's been right. Yeah, he's the rebuilder. Yeah, and that and that's what we're talking about the other bit. He's talking about the. I mean, he alludes to it himself, doesn't he? With the building of the beautiful house and you don't look over in the neighbour's garden. So he's been spelling it out. So you're reacting, as you say, Paul, to things that have been happening as we've been going along. You know, you, you're a football supporter. You care about the club. So you, you know, and you care about things that happen. So, and you come on a podcast and you speak your mind and you speak your opinion. We've never ever said this is right, this is wrong. We just give an opinion. And be, you know, for better, for worse. And lots of people share it. So, so lots of people like it. Some people don't like it. You know, this is it's not the end of the world. We we are still evolving under Ange. But six months into, seven, eight months into his tenure, we are liking what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But we're tempering it with realism as well. We'll see where we are come May. We've won a trophy, great, and we are in within striking distance of Rangers at the top. Could we have asked for anything more at this stage of the rebuild? I don't think so. And as Alan says, and I agree with as well, I think the rebuild's just starting now. Yeah. We we asked the question, and I always remember Kevin Graham saying at the beginning of the season, if we're in touching distance when we come back from the winter break, and we certainly are within touching distance. On the point of Atati then, Alan, I think the biggest 
thing that I took from his performance is the difference that you see when a manager brings a player in specifically to fit a system. It's not as though you've got all these players and you're trying to work them into a system. And I think that's where he was when he, when he took over, simply because the personnel wasn't there. But it does lead me to wonder where that leaves James McCarthy. Now, I have been a champion of James McCarthy and I haven't seen enough yet. As I was saying yesterday, he's only played three ninety minutes for Celtic, but I haven't seen enough yet that he does fit the system. I've been impressed with some of his performances, but he didn't slot in like Hatati did the other night. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. No, I, th- I think what's continuing to evolve, and this is an evolution, and just for the record, even if we don't win the league this year, I'm, I think we're on the right road. And I'll st- I'm, I'm firmly in that camp, and I will be at the end of the season. I'm happy to be there. Um, what you saw at the beginning of the season was definitely some recruitment choices that were a bit, little bit head-scratching as far as the fit with the style of play that we were clear, clearly trying to uh, implement. And James McCarthy probably being the most uh, obvious example of that. Here was a player in his 30s that seemed to be physically on the decline and we've been through this with Scott Brown over the last few years. I don't want to dig that up again. Um, who's probably going to be on a pretty big wage. Uh, and it just was a really head-scratching uh, uh, signing. Um, whereas Hatati is the epitome of the direction I think we need to go, which is somebody who's been sourced from an undervalued league, who's of mm. a good age, who's already shown he's an international quality um, and we've paid like what, one and a half million for him. It's just that 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 is that is a brilliant signing. And then this week we've we've got another in a similar mode, Matt O'Reilly, who again is somebody who's anyone who's followed the game in England is, is a name that's been on people's radar for a long time. A very talented in, uh, young man um, who again we've picked up for next to nothing. Who but who's most importantly whose style of play is exactly what Celtic need. Mm-hmm. So when I when I when I wrote at the end of the last transfer window, I highlighted central midfield as a big red flag for me. It was the area of most risk, uh, because we didn't have enough players in there who could actually play the system that we, that we wanted. We had two number tens trying to be box to box eights, and our best number eight was also our best number six. And then we had a bunch of number sixes that didn't seem to, you know, play. <laughs> didn't seem to fit into the system at all. McCarthy being the most uh, obvious of that. I think he's decided Sorrow's not good enough, so he's he's not going to feature. And Bitton has actually, bless him, made a hell of a stab at trying to adapt and fit into the system and, 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 and credit to him for that. But McCarthy, for me, still stands out. You know, he, he's played very few minutes, and I, and, I, and I keep saying I try and let a player have 90 minutes 
90, sorry, 90, 900 minutes, because I tend to find after 900 minutes, you've got sufficient evidence that, and you've generally got this, the sense of a player after that, and he's got nowhere near that. But I did do a piece on him, having said all that, uh, which really showed that he's got a very, very specific skill set. And mm-hmm. that skill set is, I would call him a mopper-upper, right? He's, he's a bit of an old school number six that can, he's very good positionally. He knows, he can see where danger is going to be. He's strong in the challenge. He picks up the ball. He picks up the bits and pieces. And then he, he generally, he's better when he gives it simple because his his long passing isn't very good. He can give the ball away a lot when he tries to overstretch in that regard. But that's a very specific skill set when you consider what I just said about Hatati. So Hatati's there, you know, he's he's being creative, he's setting up chances. Hatati's winning challenges in midfield. Hatati's going to be um, threatening the goal, the same as Christie did, the same as um, uh, O'Reilly will do, and, and the same as Rogic and, and Turnbull are striving to, to, to adapt their game to do as well. So McCarthy, for me, just doesn't fit in any shape or form other than almost as a special teams player that you bring on with 50 minutes to go to close a game out, maybe, mm. or a tough European game, you might come on if you if you're one up with with with, a, with with 30 minutes to go or something like that. But that to me, that that's not what you want to pay a 30 year old a lot of money to do. Frankly, it seems a bit of a luxury, Alan. I, I totally get that, and I think we've seen it a couple of times, particularly in Europe, where he's been brought on for that uh, purpose. Um, a wee bit like Angie, if that is, he's thinking. I think Soro it's just not going to work for him in this particular team and I have been impressed with Beaton is Beaton a player that you would uh, retain a player that you would keep around Celtic because um, I think he was one and we've said this time and time again that there's been many occasions where had he left Celtic you know there wouldn't have been a great fanfare but I think in terms of a squad player um, and the way that he has adapted and the experience that he has I think he can be quite important in the wider squad sense yeah, I think you're right. I think you, you said it. You, you've got a sweet spot here between the player himself and the club where Beaton seems happy to be a club like Celtic. He's never going to play for a bigger club than Celtic. He's never going to have the profile that he does now. Um, and Celtic are happy to have a player who can do, it looks like, two or three different jobs and therefore you know, is, is really useful to have around. Is an experienced individual, got a lot of international caps. So I think it works that it's a marriage of convenience on that basis. Um, I wouldn't be relying on him to be starting, you know, every other game, that sort of thing. Certainly not at centre half, Alan. Now I'm going to bring this one over. I'm going to bring this one over to yourself, Jim. It's Urban Kulshe. That question will be answered on February the second, and the question is, of course, how far has Celtic come? Under Ange Postecoglou, how big a concern is it, not just under Ange, that Celtic have not been able to get that monkey off the back for a while when it comes to getting that win against Rangers, Jim? I don't think the answer will be in the second of February. There's, there's too much football to be played. Without uh, being the negative old guy again, there's, there's concerns I still have. <laughs> about, I mean, Alan will know this better than me, that, that set pieces are going to be key in that game, and we don't have that dominant centre half to either defend set pieces or attack set pieces up the other end, and that, that, that could be a key thing in that game. I mean, so then the other night, they didn't play particularly well. Maybe that was a one off, who knows? We mm. uh, need a wee bit of luck in the game as well, that's always a big thing. Uh, you mentioned beat on their pawn, and you use the word experienced. Uh, we're bringing in all these new players who are. Not that experience, no. So if we lose Rogic, which we think we're going to lose, and we bring in the new guy, O'Reilly, and think, okay, he can do a job 
but you then think, oh, no. <laughs> I saw his interview last night, and he was saying, you know, 60,000, amazing. It'd be amazing with 40,000. I mean, if he's pitched in there in front of 60,000 fans, millions on TV, that's a big ask. Mm. Do you think I thought we've got bizarre about Monday night there? Was, uh, for anyone who's never been to Celtic Park at night time these days, they switch all the lights off just before the game. I'm thinking, if I'm Hitati, I'm thinking, what's happening? <laughs> all the lights go off and then there's a beam in the, on the huddle. And you must be thinking, you know, 60,000 fans going bonkers all the time. So I think that's kind of hard to get your head around. I think we've certainly got the team to win this game on the 2nd of January. And if we play to our capabilities and we get the rub of the green and we defend set pieces well, then there's no reason why we can't win that particular game. And uh, But yeah, there's a lot riding on. And then, again, who we're going to be missing. Mm. And I'm not sure about this rule about getting the game postponed. Is it, is it five players have to be missing or four. whatever? Uh, four, is it? Uh, is that is that that loophole, Jim? It's not a loophole. It's not a rule. It's a loophole. Is that a So it's a, a loophole rule that we've got now. That if, if it's four, so why would you cancel the game against Hearts then? Why would you cancel the game against Dundee United? I know that then becomes a massive fixture pilot. But as I'd always say, just abide by the rules. Not looking for favours. Not looking for loopholes. Just if that's the rules, that's the rules. Because the other team would, would, would do it as well. So can you cancel one game instead of three games? Can you pick the game you cancel? I don't know. Uh, Rodgers a big miss because I think, I mean, you can look through the team list here and you can say Hearts made such a difference, Carter Vickers, mm. Yota, Kyogo, but Rodgers has been the spark for me for a lot of what's happened this season. He's been the guy that sparked things. So Kyogo might be scoring the goals a lot and that's came from, you know, good play by Rodgers. You know, the, uh, the cup final winner, you know, Rodgers, you know, quick thinking, great pass, bang goal. So uh, I we're all looking forward to the second of February, but can't get too far ahead of ourselves. Hearts, United first, you know, so we want to make sure we're going to that game no more than four points behind. And if we could win that game, get down to a point. I think if we win that game, get down to a point, we'll win the league. Uh, so yeah, big game, but I don't think things will be decided there. As long as we don't lose the game, that's the main thing. Absolutely. I mean, we know the experience you've got, Tony, speaking to a lot of people in football. And uh, football's a tremendous place for the cliche, and you hear it constantly they'll give you an answer just because it sounds like a stock answer and people go on about form goes out the window in a game like this right I look at that situation and although a lot of these things are cliches one thing I do think is an issue is that mental barrier of having a team that you've not beaten in a long long time and that becomes an issue what's your feeling on that Tony and is that something that you know in the first game, there was a hell of a lot of frustration on my part from the, the selection of the team right through to various things that happened in the game. And I, I think that was a, an opportunity for us and an opportunity lost. But they do have an upper hand in terms of that mentality. And and do you think we've got it in us to, to swing that mentality our way? I think they have now. I think the manager would admit that he, he didn't have his personnel for Ibrooks. You know, he played Kyogre out of position. He admitted that himself, that he, he maybe called that one wrong. You know, French area missed an absolute sitter. You know, ifs, buts and maybes. But as Jim said there, you need these things to go for you. Mm. You know, you have to defend set pieces, concede a goal to set piece, you know. And that, go back to Jim, surely if Celtic are going to exploit the rules, that's a hoophole, not a loophole. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying, Jim, I'm trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. You know, but I I think Celtic now have the mentality. They've got Rangers in their sights, mm-hmm. but they can't focus 
than Energy's on Rangers. Let's focus on Energy's Allo on Saturday. You know, you give them the respect and you know, respect every opposition. He might rest some players with an eye on Hearts in midweek. But Celtic have got a game tomorrow. You want to just carry that momentum right through uh, if you can. But uh, we have got two massive games before we play Rangers in the league. But I think the Celtic have got the kind of back between the teeth. A wee bit now in the, you know, they, they didn't kick a ball on Tuesday night and Rangers dropped two points. That gives you confidence and another boost. You did your part by beating Hibs. So, you know, I think Celtic will feel more equipped to cope with Rangers. But as Jim alluded to earlier, still a good team, Rangers. You know, then they still have that mentality that the Celtic haven't beat them in the league. Mm-hmm. And coming up, well, it's two and a bit years. You know, so it's, it's you know, talk about pressure. Pressure's on Celtic to go and do something about that. They'll have the advantage of the full crowd at home if, if that, you know. So, you know, you, you, you're in front of your home fans. It's up to you to put on a performance and it's up to Ange to pick a team capable of winning. And I think Jim's right. If all... Oh, in a, in a level playing field, if Celtic can play the team that they want, minus Rogic, obviously, because he's away on international duty, then I think Celtic can. They're certainly capable of beating Rangers. I think Rangers at this moment could be there for the taking. But it, it's no saying it, it's doing it. That old Glasgow phrase, isn't it? Mm. You know, talk the talk all you want, go and walk the walk. And I think Andrew will be drumming that into his players. You know, you... you it's all right saying you're ready for this, you can handle it. Go and prove it. You know, and I think a lot of Celtic supporters want to see that change in mindset that they can go and beat Rangers, but don't underestimate the size of the task because Rangers are still... Uh, the other night, they, they had a bad day at the office. You know, it happens, and it's going to happen to both sides uh, before the end of the season. You know, pushing turns and points dropped, so... You know, Celtic had it against St Man, they've had it against Livingston. This is going to happen and it will go to the wire. And February the 2nd, yeah, it's going to be crucial. But you've got two arguably bigger matches to contend with before that, in my opinion. Yeah. League, league-wise, certainly. No, you're right. And again, that that game against Alawa is something we need to talk about. There's no disrespect oh. to Alawa. And I think when we go into it, Tony, I've... We've all seen games where we've gone in against lower league opposition and they've actually done us over. And, and it's the yeah. worst thing ever as a Celtic fan. I'm looking at this game at, uh, at the weekend and I'm wondering, you know, looking at that squad, who do we rest? And I'm saying rest because I, I think there's a few there's a few positions in there where it may not be about resting, it's just rotational. I do think that, you know, when it comes to the wingers, and we'll talk about them at some point in the show, there may be more of a rotation than just saying, well, it's time to, to rest Cameron Carter-Vickers, for example. And Celtic follower comes in with some suggestions. Do you see, Alan, some of these names who I reckon might be classed as fringe players getting a game? Yakamakis, for example, he's not had much game time. It could benefit him um, to get the, the minutes and the legs. But again, I don't like tinkering too much with a winning team. No, I think, but I think you do have to... Um... Rotate. I mean, the biggest, the second biggest risk that we've had throughout the season has been just the the style of adapting to the style of play. I'm guessing adapting to the training, which by all accounts is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. But the injuries have been, in some respects, self inflicted because of that. 
and uh, we've had to make an awful lot of changes, especially through December, on unforced, you know, forced changes essentially. So um, I think we've got to be careful. I think we're also in a position where some players need minutes, and some players probably could do with the rest. I mean, do you really need to let Callum McGregor run around for another ninety minutes on on plastic? Is, is, is that really going to you know make the difference in the game? I would suggest not. But then there's players like you say that, that like Jackamakis who probably would benefit. Forrest is just back from injury. He actually mm-hmm. looked pretty pretty good. I thought against Hibbs, his his direct running I think really helped Celtic get up the park. He could probably do with with minutes. I think the two lads mm-hmm. Hatati and Maeda could do with minutes because they haven't played a league game since the fourth of December. So there's some players that need minutes. But then I think we've also got to look at the circumstances. So would you really pitch Chris Julian? onto a plastic pitch, uh, you know, for his first game back after a serious knee injury, I I think that would probably be a risk too much. So I'd probably be looking to keep the centre-back pairing um, together, uh, uh, really um, not make any changes there at all, because, you know, building that relationship back up again, you know, Starfield had a horrendous run of games against Ross County. The cup final was, was just awful and but then the last two games he's been excellent Starfelt and when Carter Vickers also uh, as, as a pair so I would I'd be tempted to keep that that uh, together probably I would be happy to swap Bain in for Hart you'd probably reward Rolson with a 90 minutes at right back um you'd probably keep Taylor in because he needs minutes um you'd definitely you definitely give Cal the day off, absolutely no doubt about that. And you might give Rogic the day off. But other than that, I think the other players that I've mentioned probably need minutes. So, you know, you want to get them on the park. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a wee bit about some of the centre-half options that we now have now that Julien's come in. Jim, and I'm going to ask you this question because uh, we have brought in a lot of loan players over the last decade or so, and some have stuck, some have become permanent. Most of them have gone on to pastors new, and some of them have become nomadic figures. I mean, we're talking about Paddy Roberts, yet another deal with another team in another country. Again, Paddy Roberts, who was a favourite at Celtic. But we've got a player in Cameron Carter-Vickers who's coming to Celtic, and he seems to fit. I'd like to know at some point Alan's views on him, figures-wise and stats-wise. He seems to really fit the Celtic side. I mean, he plays with a coolness and a calmness. Um, He's had a few partners in in at the centre-half position there. Uh, But, I mean, we are, I think, the seventh club that he's been on loan to. Yet, a lot of the focus is on, you know, get Jota in on a permanent deal. How... How important do you think it is that we focus a wee bit more on Carton Vickers and getting him in a permanent deal, Jim? With the chat that last time I was on in terms of Carter Vickers, I think he's been, he's been great, he's been dead solid. Uh, I think he's a wee bit short for me again about the set pieces thing. I think we're up against teams who have got bigger players, then he might struggle a wee bit. And what I said last time was that both him and Starfield haven't scored a goal from a header, which you know, I don't know what, what the stats on that are, Alan, in terms of what you'd expected centre-back pairing goals they should be scoring in a season by this point in time, but, but none sounds like not very good. Uh, but he's, he's been dead solid uh, hasn't put a foot wrong he's been exceptional uh, and long may that continue uh, yes I would sign him and last time I was on I was just saying how much do you sign him for what what, what sounds like good value because people <laughs> people band about good value for money and you think well based on what what's that based on you know so you, you can see that you know 6 million for Carter Vickers is good value compared to 80 million for Harry Maguire, yeah, it's good value, but maybe compared to someone else, is it good value? And that's the only point I was making last time, that mm-hmm. uh, how much do you pay for somebody? Yeah, get the guy in, because he's really, really good, but how much do you pay for him? And if you spend that money on him, do you not have the money for this big commanding centre-half, that, which I think we need? 
I think we need now. If if Julian comes back and he solves that problem, then we don't need the big command centre half because he's in the building. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But if he doesn't come back, and I've got, I've got kind of concerns that with injury, he got it. The length of time it was out, it's going to take him a while to get back to those kind of levels, uh, mm. if indeed he does. So, so again, you have to kind of balance the books a wee bit. I was thinking the other day that Tony's always mentioned about the, uh, the old uh, shoot magazine, You Are the Ref, where, you know, and, you know, for people who didn't get shoot at the time, they were like, you know, they were showing various options and You Are the Ref, and is the answer A, B, or C, and not the viewers had option D, uh, book Paul Elliott. But at times, I think you have to be, You Are the Accountant. <laughs> You know, you are the accountant. If you've only got so much money to spend, then you can't just say, aye, he's good value at six million. Based on what? What is it based mm. on? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a throwaway line people make, you know. But in terms of answering the question, I think Carter Vickers has been has been very, very good. Him and Joe Hart have made such a huge difference to that defence. Uh, but in saying that, when we come up against real good quality opposition, uh, they've been turned over. You know, your, your Leverkusen and your, and your Betis and we've lost lots of goals, you know. So... And you have to temper that by, again, I'm going to sound dead negative, that, that the standard of football in this league isn't great. I mean, Hibs the other night, I thought Hibs the other night in the first half, back to middle, were really, really good, but they had nothing up front. And most teams, I think, in the SPFL uh, have nothing up front. Uh, and that's why uh, they don't win as many games. And w- w- watching the game at the other night, Aberdeen played really well, but they had nothing up front. I couldn't see them scoring. Then they get penalty kick. It's like, that's only where they're going to score, as I said. Peace. So, so you have to maybe consider the opposition that Cameron Carter Vickers is up against week in week out. But against that opposition, he's been absolutely great. He's been fine, uh, and long may that continue. In terms of tomorrow, uh, I'd agree with Alan again. Some people need minutes. Some people don't need minutes. The one thing I would caution is the fact that when we left Carl McGregor out uh, at the Ross County game, was it was that League Cup. Last it was, game. yeah. We lost. We kind of, we, we kind of, we missed his kind of inspirational play at the time. I don't think we lose to Alawa. We had so many other problems. Oh, that I, was, oh, no, I, that was, oh, that I, was I, the I, least of the problems that we had. But I think there were certain players. That, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't play him tomorrow, but to have him on the bench, uh, 
And I think the, you've also got to consider this is be like for a lot of the other players, this will be the biggest game in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll be getting stuck in a bit, bit, of a, bit of a battle tomorrow. So we need a bit maybe a bit of physicality in there, Ralston, Yakimakis, Scales, guys like that. But also it's on plastic, so you don't want to run the risk of of your key men getting injured. Uh, but to answer the question, yeah, he, he's been he's a, a really good loan deal. She's certainly trying to get him. Uh, it's just the amount of money we should pay for him. Well, it's a, it's a good point, Jim, because I think you look at the uh, the record that we've got in the transfer market and we've signed so many, not only centre-forwards, but centre-halves, and it's not worked out, Tony, and it's a couple of million pounds here and there. What we've got at the moment is we've got Starfelt, four and a half million, so there's a marker. We've got Julien, the most expensive defender we've ever bought, I think, seven million. Um, so where about is he in that, uh, you know, that equation? So the six million pound figure seems high, of course it does, especially when you're bringing in players uh, from the J-League, but it's the circumstances. We're buying them from Spurs. They're going to want some kind of fee, a, a decent fee. £6 million for me at his age, um, I think would be a fair enough fee, personally. But on another point that Jim says uh, about Julian, about this impo- we need this big imposing defender, yeah, I tend to agree with that. And I'm looking at Julian's stats one of the biggest frustrations for me at the moment, not only imposing in our own box, but imposing in the opposition's box, because the amount of crosses we put in in any given game, the amount of corners we win, and sometimes you don't even think that it's going to put the, the opposition in any kind of danger, Tony, and that shouldn't be the case. You think about some of the cent- central defensive partnerships we've had, who were at corners very dangerous, Denier and Van Dyke, and I know that they were maybe an anomaly because they were a very good partnership, but they would have put the opposition under severe pressure. McManus and Caldwell, even. And I don't think we've got that from our defenders at the moment. Does Julien fix that problem for us? Well, first and foremost, um, I agree with Jim. I, I'd be very wary with Julian and taking you know, daft risks with him. Mm-hmm. This guy needs you know watched closely and monitored and he's, and he's Rehabilitation, he's he's back into it gently, and play bits part bit parts here and there. We all want him to be this defensive colossus. Will he be? Not too sure. Can he recapture the levels that he had? But I think a lot of people still had reservations about Julian before he got injured. You know, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's kind of he's he's morphed into Cumin, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. He's got an eye for a long pass. He can hit free kicks. He he's a a scorer and all that and. He did do some of those things, but he's no betting bar, is he? You know, and I think uh, people's judgment over time—it's about you know—you get kind of sepia-tinted glasses about players. You know, he was a an accomplished defender before he got injured, I would say. But if you're going to sign, what Jim was saying, a a dominant defender who's a threat in both both boxes, these guys cost money too. Mm. And I think you'd be lucky to get someone like that who can contribute goals as well for six million quid. And Carter Vickers, against the opposition that's in front of him, hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's playing in the stingiest defence in Scottish football at the minute. Granted, it's ratcheted up a level when they go into Europe, but it's always been the case for Celtic. It's ratcheted up a level. You're up against you know, better quality players, but... That's, that's something that you can contend with as you move along. You know, Celtic need a period of kind of continuity. And to bring in somebody new, then you're 
you know, you're going to have to, they're going to have to adapt to Angie's system. It costs a lot of money, mm-hmm. possibly more than the money that's been t- you know, quoted for Cameron Carter Vickers. And I just think if Carter Vickers fancies it and wants to be part of, you know, this revolution that Angie's, you know, brought, bringing in, then yeah, we should sign him. And I think six million is a fair enough price. Uh, you know, that I, personally, and I think Ange can work on because Ange has said himself, he's not just here to win the League Cup and the league. He wants to have a tilt to Europe. And I think mm. he won't say it outwardly, but inwardly, I think he'll be having his eyes on the Conference League. He will want to win that. Is it, the, is it on the 25th of May this year, is it, the final? It is indeed. Wow. What, right. a, stroke, what a stroke of genius that is, eh? Well, there you go, he could write himself in it. But he is planning on Celtic being a force and a noise in Europe again. And he's getting his building blocks in place. As Jim alluded to earlier, Bob the Builder, he went to number one. Bob the Builder, didn't he, I believe? So I'm sure that song went to number one to bring music into it again. It was garbage, but it still went to number one. Stunned uh, silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the words, Jim. Don't kid on you don't know the words. Yes, you uh, can. Yes, you can, exactly. And that's what... That's what we're asking. Can Ange fix it? Can he fix the defence? Can he fix Celtic problems? He's doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably sees Carter Vickers as, you know, a, a vital brick in that building rebuilding process. So I, I, I wouldn't balk at spending six million on Carter Vickers because I think he can be improved as a defender. And I agree with what Alan said there. Last two games, Starfield's been pretty sound. Mm. I think he's, he came back the other night having... Look, he looked like a revitalised and re-energised player, Starfelt, uh, and so that all got well for me. But we just need to cock Annie with Julian, you know, because it's a serious injury that he's had, and you know I wouldn't risk him at all on the end of drill surface at all. No, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he, if he made an appearance. Right, the temptation is there to do it, but just no, not on that kind of surface. No, I agree. I still call it the Rex. Uh, recreation yeah, park there, Tony. Old, old school. Old, old school. Money. Interesting point Jim raised, Al. I'm going to throw it to you. I know it's maybe not uh, a specific answer you can give us, but looking at Julian, he scored 10 goals for Celtic in 61 appearances. I don't know how many starts that includes. Uh, for a team like Celtic, would you be expecting that? Is that a wee bit higher than you would expect for a centre-half? you got to think this guy was the most aerially dominant defender in League and at both ends of the pitch, right? And, and Ligon's a really good league, right? One of the top five leagues in Europe. So he is a he's an aerially dominant player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I do feel people are damning him with faint praise a little bit here. Um, if you, you know, I, I, I plot centre. Uh, to take a step back, you know, evaluating defenders individually is, is a bit tricky uh, because defending's a team game, right? And defending's about system and organisation and approach. And as we saw with Duffy. Last season, you know, you can take what by any objective measure, Shane Duffy's a good defender. You know, he's an experienced international, he's played in the EPL. But if you put the, the, the player in the wrong system and surround him with dysfunctionality, he can look awful, right? So defending can can be about is, is a complicated thing to to assess in the round. But but having said all that, I do I do track a lot of individual performance metrics for defenders and I've, for central defenders, I've got a methodology for doing that that I think meets the eye test really well. So what, what were the way that the data, the, the, the narrative that you can pull from the data 
makes sense to me. And if you plot Julian in, then Julian is up there with the best central defenders we've had in, in all the time that I've been collecting data. And he is the easily the most early dominant defender that we've had. So I'm I'm hoping and praying uh, that a fit Chris Julian uh, comes back because I think that would be a massive bonus for Celtic. Um, but I completely agree with Tony. I, I, I'm just really nervous, actually, about how long it's going to take him to get back into the team. And in fact, I'm, I'd, even, I'd even make a, a prediction, which I don't tend to do, that I doubt we'll see the best of him this season at all. And if he gets any games in before the end of the season, that would be a bonus. Mm-hmm. So, no, I- yeah. So, so I think he's a big miss, and I think he's needed because of that aerial threat. Although I do, mm. how do we chuckle to myself? I think if you asked any football fans from any club in the world about what do you think your weaknesses are, they'll always say two things: we don't score enough goals from corners, and uh, we're really bad at defending crosses into the box. Well, you know what? Only less than two percent of corners result in goals, and guess what? If you get the ball in the box, that's where most goals are scored from. So, yeah, that's kind of how you concede goals. So, I'm not. I'd kind of. That's not a narrative I'd like to follow. I'd rather look at the individual performances, look at the way that we're playing, and say, are we, are we, are we conceding more goals than we should? Are we scoring less than we should? And think of it in in those terms. Um, Carter Vickers isn't the tallest, but he's incredibly. He's got incredibly strong um, upper body strength. So, if the, in, in an aerial challenge situation, he can win the ball not because he can out jump the opponent, but because he can physically position his body uh, in, 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 in a way that allows him to muscle the other guy out of his optimal position. So, he doesn't have. You don't have to be the tallest to, to be aerially uh, competent. Carter Vickers, by the way, is right up there with Julien and with Van Dijk as the best centre backs. The data wise. That we've had, so I'd be absolutely finding ways to get this guy uh, to sign. And you've got to think again; context is important, right? So Carter Vickers is being asked to play in a new team, new teammates, new system. He's asked, been asked to play a very high line, and he's been asked to play with, with a with a partner, Starfelt, who's been incredibly skittish and inconsistent, and put in some really bad performances beside him. And yet, and yet individually, Carter Vickers' performances have stood up despite all of those things. I think he's an absolute must buy. Brilliant. I'll tell you what, Alan, I thought he was beforehand and I think even more so after that. Uh, Alan, you can be found on Twitter at Celtic by Numbers, am I right? That's right, yep. Yep, and on that Twitter page there will be links to your blog and you um, also uh, go out live on various platforms on the Huddle Breakdown, uh, which is definitely worth a watch if you've liked the stats and the figures and the data that Alan has provided today. I certainly do. I always have done, Alan. It's it's intriguing. Um, And it's really... When I look at the the Julien and Carter Vickers, it's getting me into a position where I can't wait to see the two of them um, at their optimum if that day ever comes. And if that means we need to rest Julien a wee bit more than we would like at the moment, then let's do that. I'll tell you what, it's been a quick hour. We had 10 points. I think we got through two of them, guys. But um, that is an hour plus. We managed to get a wee bit of chat about the Who and Bob the Builder in there as well, Tony. But uh, we look forward to tomorrow night's game. And uh, after that, we will be back on Monday. We will be covering the game, please join us. If you're watching on YouTube, get a subscriber on there. You'll notice that uh, there has been loads of new content going on there of all different shapes, sizes and descriptions and that will continue. So please subscribe to YouTube uh, for daily content from a state of mind. All that's left for me to say is thank you to Tony, Jim and to Alan for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.